Hi, and welcome to A&M's Healthcare Industry Group Podcasts. I'm Jacques Mulder, the leader of our biopharma and medtech practice, and I'm joined by my colleague, Dr. Anna Kong, the senior director in our group. Today, I'd like to talk about precision medicine and the association and link uh, of M&A activity uh, with the trends in precision medicine. Anna, question to you. Could you help me define what we mean when we say precision medicine and what size of market are we playing? Well, thanks, Jacques. Um, precision medicine has been the promise to provide the right drug for the right patient at the right time. Um, and in today's world, that's really with the utilization of diagnostic tools and tests such as genomic sequencing and bioinformatics and data analysis, and always with the goal of better outcomes. The market is quite large and encompasses everything from the testing to the analytics and targeted drug therapy. But if you exclude the targeted drug therapy, it's about a $68.8 billion market with 11.5% compound annual growth rate. And the greatest growth is actually seen from these, these advanced molecular testing, about three quarters of that number and about a quarter of that is clinical informatics. So basically it's growing fast um, and it's rapidly growing to really accommodate the demand. As everyone knows, people are are knowing and wanting to have these better outcomes and willing to use these tests. Um, But, you know, there's a bit of a mixed bag here with the technology, some of the costs have gone down for single testing for genomic tests. But as we developed more sophisticated panels, the costs have gone up. And then the targeted drug therapy costs have also gone up. And so ultimately, with all this growth and this promise, the universal question still remains, who's going to pay for all of this? Well, Anna, I'm happy that you, that you asked that question. There are two elements to consider here. The first is that almost 60% of the late stage development pipelines uh, for drugs are focused on oncology or other types of diseases that have a highly personalized component to them. The second part is that these therapies are now starting to reach the $1 million per course of therapy um, mark. And at $1 million of, at a course of therapy, but a 30% effectiveness as a health insurer, you pay three times to get one successful response. So the reason these companies are valued so high is the diagnostic tests, the ability to reduce the number of people that will not respond based on their gene expression um, and selecting them out and treating those that you know will respond on that certain type of therapy may change that response rate from one in three to two out of three, which means an immediate million dollar saving to the health plan. And from the uh, provider side, significant increases in the clinical outcomes Um, not to mention the benefits of patients who don't have to go through multiple rounds of therapy um, and deal with the side effects before they find the combination that works. So really the role um, here is to look at means to use diagnostic tests as a risk absorbing uh, tool to figure out to be on how to be more effective and efficient on the selection of of therapeutics Um, and how they align to the patient and their potential response. At a million dollars per course of treatment, making the wrong decision is a very costly one. 
you know, if we use the right diagnostic, you match the right product to the right patient, your outcomes will be better, your costs will be lower. So this is a next frontier of using science as a risk absorbing tool. And I think that where we are going with healthcare and the inflation uh, uh, on healthcare services and the cost of medicine, finding more efficient ways to use the scientific knowledge we have is becoming more and more critical. So a lot of opportunities for us as a firm around transactions, post-merger integrations, all of the diligence uh, requirements. And I would say potentially even uh, post-merger integration when we start thinking about, um, uh, about the aggregation and the roll-up of some of these platforms. So if we were to wrap this back up to the original question that you asked me and which I raised, which is that universal question is, who and how are we going to pay for this? What do we do in the interim? And what we're doing in the interim is one of the uh, pursuits and opportunities that, that our group has already taken on, where the idea is to find collaborative partners um, who will be willing to work together to create the required data sets and data elements to be able to evaluate the impact uh, of such diagnostic tests and then uh, the role that that plays uh, in enhancing the overall cost of care. What I mean by this is there is an opportunity for the pharmaceutical and biotech and diagnostics industry um, to start trading and dealing with their knowledge and approach the uh, approach um, bending the curve on scientific and clinical risk uh, in addition to discounting at the cost line. So what I think the opportunity is, is to create collaborative partnerships where uh, providers, uh, companies and insurers can collaborate. And I think if the hypothesis is true that right now we're paying three, $3 million for one, $1 million worth of response at that 30% response rate. And if we could change that to a 60% response, we save a million dollars. And I believe that that million dollars could be divided rel relatively equally between the money saved for uh, on the, the provider end, the money saved on the insurer end, and potentially the contribution that an industry may make in terms of their payment for di direct payment for performance. Uh, so I think there's, an, there's more than enough benefit for everyone to find a way to distribute. But creating the early experiments to generate joint and robust data sets from which we can do those analyses, that takes creative partners and creative clients to embark on, on, that, type of, uh, uh, on that type of experiment and opportunity. Well, thank you for that because, you know, clinically speaking, we know it's a complex problem. As much as we're seeing, you know, two and a half times number of targeted therapies available, the access for everyone is not the same. Um, and also this cost burden, which is very important because if the industry and the payer and the health plans don't step up, the patients can't afford them and they're, they can't opt in. So I think this is an important topic to discuss. And I absolutely agree with your last point. And I think that's one of the breakthroughs that, that we've seen is when we started targeting some of these conversations at the payer environment and getting them to understand the economic impact they have been willing to to step into and to participate in some of these um, experiments as i call them 
And, uh, and that's pretty the early days. Uh, try before you buy. Let's generate the data so that we know we're not buying the pamphlet, but we are actually buying the real world impact. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us on this podcast. We will be covering more topics in the series. Uh, the next one coming up is around the CRO and the role of contract clinical research um, uh, and its focus on enhancing the product productivity of R&D organizations. Please join us then. I look forward to seeing all of you. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.